Hello friends, it is the midweeks and I'm really grateful to be here with you. It's Wednesday, so it's Wisdom Wednesday. You know, my apologies, I've been a little bit inconsistent in the last few weeks with my uploads. I think the summer schedule has got to me. And I will warn you that I am supposed to be um, unavailable for a little bit this summer. And so that may impact the midweeks. I may do some pre-recording, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm grateful that you're here and may the Lord bless you. We're in the further sayings of the wise. The last time I was here, we looked at how proverb is made and from Proverbs 24. And that section comes from a chunk of the book of Proverbs called the sayings of the wise. Or sorry, the further sayings of the wise. This section starts in verse 23 of chapter 24. And this section starts with, these are also the sayings of the wise. And so this is like an addendum. This is an... Uh, addition to the last section as well which is called the sayings of the wise and maybe we'll do that next but this is a smaller section that's been collected together in order to be another um, you know collection of wisdom sayings in the book of proverbs the book of proverbs is a collection of books of proverbs that have been worked together and put together chapter 31 which is the sayings of King Lemuel that his mother taught him is a section. The words of Agur is a section. The first nine chapters, which is like the extended introduction, is a section. The Proverbs of Solomon that starts at chapter 10 is a section. And then there's also the collection that the men of Hezekiah made, which starts in verse or chapter 25, I believe. And so it's good to remember that, that Proverbs is a bunch of collections together. And because it's always good to see what God's actually done. It never is a blessing for you to think something is the way, one way, when it's actually another way. We're meant to be people of the truth. And it's always good to know what um, what the scripture actually is. So the Pro- book of Proverbs isn't just sayings from Solomon. It's mostly Solomon, but some of there's other people who have contributed to it, as well as some of it is a collection afterwards that men have made of Solomon's sayings that aren't just from Solomon making the book himself in time. All right. Wow, that's two minutes and 30 seconds, and I haven't even gotten into the scripture yet. So let's start at the beginning of the further sayings of the wise, and this collection is about honesty. So, verse 23. These also are the sayings of the wise. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples and abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. So that's four verses, and I think these verses go together as a unit. I think verse 27 changes the subject somewhat. But here's the big picture. It's um, saying, you know, people have many different situations where they're going to have to do judging. And sometimes judging is necessary. Jesus warns us against unrighteous judging. Jesus warns us against all, like always being judging and condemning people for poor reasons. But there are situations where judging is necessary. Teachers need to judge the quality of work. Um, Customers will judge the quality of the food that a restaurant gives. And sometimes they'll put something online about it. Judges will judge cases where criminal charges are put out. Parents will judge the behavior of children, especially if their children are fighting with each other. So because we live in a world where wrong happens, because we live in a world where 
less than perfection is happening all the time, people have to make judgments, moral judgments, criminal judgments, quality judgments. And what this is touching on, this proverb is saying, as fallen people and in a fallen world, there is a temptation towards giving partial judgment or unrighteous judgment. Partiality means like you're letting somebody off the hook who doesn't deserve to be let off the hook. And it could be for different reasons. They could be your friends. They could be part of your tribe. They could be someone who's promised to give you a bribe. But when there is partiality in justice, there is no justice. And so he's giving us a mindset that it's not worth it to be partial in judging. It's not worth it to judge according to our own perceived benefit as the judge how declaring a judgment is going to benefit or hurt us you're supposed to judge according to righteous standards but not according to personal benefit and so let's get into it partiality and judging is not good so here is the declaration and i almost think that this connects to one of the ten commandments thou shalt not bear false witness which is probably specifically about bearing true witness in court, but it also gives us the principle of not lying, not doing injustice through truth manipulation, through truth management, as I like to tongue-in-cheek call it. So here he's saying, partiality, partiality in judging is not good. There's this statement, and then he gives some explanation. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by people and abhorred by nations. So here's the warning. If someone's wicked and you declare them righteous, you're going to suffer for it. And these are social consequences. It doesn't say God's going to hit you with a stick. It says that people will curse you and nations will abhor you. And so here's the warning. It's we live in a world where people are sensitive to justice and injustice. And we live in a world, I think by implication, where God is working against unrighteous judgments. He's going to uncover it. He's going to reveal it. He's going to expose it. So when you find yourself in a situation where you do need to make judgments, you should have the fear of the Lord enough to know that your primary concern is by knowing the truth, acknowledging the truth, and responding to the truth. And if someone's done wickedly by saying that it was not good, but if someone's doing righteous, saying that it was right. But the consequences will be in this world, people will curse you or abhor you ultimately, maybe not in the minute, maybe not in the moment, but ultimately, if you do what's right as in your judging seat, uh, you'll have good things. But if you do what's wrong, these social consequences will come upon you. Verse 25. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. Probably from the people, but also God will stand behind the people's blessing and actually bless you for it. So psychologically, what it's really pointing to is the fact that when you're in a moment of judgment, usually rebuking the wicked is the most costly thing. It's easy to rebuke the righteous because they're, they're righteous. They usually just go along with it. And it's hard to rebuke the wicked because they are going to be the ones that make it hardest on the judge. They're going to either bri try to bribe their way out of it. They might make threats back. There might be feelings of consequence. It might cost you family relations if the unrighteous person is part of your family or part of your tribe. It might cost you other people who you care about being upset at you. 
the, the great cost in the immediate, sometimes psychologically feels like rebuking the wicked is the, the greatest cost personally to the judge. But that will be the ultimate source of delight and a blessing is to render just judgments and not show partiality. And so he summarizes this and gives us maybe the, the quickest and easiest thing to remember by saying, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Now, specifically, this doesn't seem to connect directly with rendering judgments, but and it may be a more individual proverb that, that you could argue could stand on its own, but I think it actually is the summary of how you just apply this anywhere. An honest answer kisses the lips. And as I understand this, this goes back to um, their culture where, you know, people would greet each other with kisses more and an on-the-lips kiss is the sign of closest friendships. And maybe you would even have, you know, men doing this to each other. This isn't a romantic kiss. But the bestest of friends would be willing to put their faces right up to each other. And in one sense, it's very symbolic. Like your face is the place where your your humanity shines through the most, through your emotions and through your speech. And so when someone gives an honest answer, they're pressing their true self as symbolized through the face against the true self as another person they kiss the lips but i think it's also the sign of loyalty um, fellowship relationship um, and so that this is ultimately how you do it honesty builds relationship and so i like to say you know communication builds trust that's my my tagline that i'm i'm using a lot in life around the uh the the office communication builds trust now i should flesh it out and say honest communication builds trust or good communication builds trust but this is what it's saying here an honest answer kisses the lips good communication builds trust just judgments which is the result of truth and good communications brings a blessing and so what do we do here as christians i think we should know about our hearts that the sinful heart actually dislikes true true truth we like self-deception. We're, we're liable to be partial towards ourselves and excuse our bad motives in ways that we wouldn't excuse other people's bad motives. We're, we tend to be partial in judgment towards ourselves, And this is not good. Next, we're going to be partial towards our friends and people part of our tribes, maybe your own church or maybe your own theological uh, tribe. You're partial towards them. You like to see their benefits more and ignore their faults more. And this is the human heart. We're not like God. God only functions in true truth. He never lies. He never manipulates. He never excuses the wicked and rebukes the righteous. He, he, because he has no benefit to gain from people. He, he doesn't need us. And so he doesn't need to manipulate to get something from us, whether it's praise or love or whatever. He is self-sufficient in his love and in his worth, in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are relationally self-sufficient. So the, what we get from God just comes from an overflow of his goodness, not from a neediness from us. And because he doesn't need us, he doesn't need to be partial in his judgments in order to get something from us. He's just good. And we're meant to see, oh man, I am likely to be partial in order to manipulate and try to get the life I want. Other people are likely to be partial in order to manipulate to get the life they want. And this ultimately is under God's curse and people will acknowledge it and see it. You'll lose social standing. And the best way to live is to try to give honest answers because good communication builds trust and an honest answer kisses the lips. Be blessed, my wise ones.